Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and super excited for today's episode because I think we've got a lot to learn and compare about some different experiences in different industries, which I'm really looking forward to exploring. Today's guest has extensive experience in learning and development with much of that experience in retail. He is currently the Learning and Development Manager at PGA Tour Superstore. Please welcome to the show, Jonathan Maldonado. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Justin. Glad to be here. Excited to uh, to talk a little bit about learning, which is a passion of mine. So yeah. I can't wait to explore it with you. Let's get started as we always do and get your take on what you think the biggest challenge is facing the deskless workforce today. So when it comes to frontline workers, in my opinion, I think one of the largest challenges is really increasing engagement and adoption when it comes to learning materials and really how do we pass on all of these skills and competencies the best way possible, most efficient way without relying too heavily on, let's say, just newer trends within technology. I think a blended approach is what's needed, but it is a, a challenge out there. And I think it's an ongoing challenge, especially in my industry, retail. You know, we have very little time when it comes to our one-on-one -on -one time with uh, uh, associates, frontline associates, trying to pull them off the floor. There's a lot going on. We want to, you know, produce sales out of our locations. However, it does take time to pass on skills. And, you know, that's, I think, one of our largest challenges currently. You said something interesting that I haven't heard others talk about, which is um, kind of being careful with newer trends and technology and finding that balance. What did you mean by that? Yeah. So it's very easy to lean on some of the new technologies that we have, right? We have AR technology that's out there. Uh, there's a lot, especially through pandemic. And I know I'm not the only one who's felt this, but when it came to the pandemic, everything's virtual. So we leaned heavily on e-learnings. E-learnings are a great tool, but it's not the only tool. You know, job aids, for example, that are easy to produce and quick to produce, great tool. It's not the only tool. Uh, and in some cases, we have to take a step back with our other business stakeholders. And sometimes, and I know this is a scary thing, training is not always a solution, right? Mm -hmm. We have to look at what the root cause is. And I think that's where other learning professionals step in and really have to kind of take on that consultant side and go, all right. What is the problem we're trying to solve and is training the right solution for it? And if so, what is that full package? Not just the, I think we, we talked a long time ago about the differences in my take when it comes to being a pharmacist or being a doctor, right? Are mm -hmm. we just giving that one pill to try to solve a problem that we see, putting the Band-Aid on it? Or are we going to take that doctor approach and go, okay, let's dig a little deeper and let's see where we can actually make a difference and an impact. So that scenario requires pretty strong leadership at the store level in your scenario, I, I would imagine. Yeah, um, I would say strong leadership in the store level. Also, it takes a strong leadership on the corporate level, right? So you have to have buying because at the end of the day, 
like most other parts of a business, there's an investment side of it, right? So when it comes to learning and development and training, there's an investment. That time costs money. The, the money it takes to develop content as well as the money and time that it takes for people to absorb that particular content. And it's a challenge. So when we're telling our story of why we need X amount of time to create an X amount of time for associates to adopt, you know, we have to make sure that we're including what we're actually tackling and then also trying to back that up with actual results. Here's what we're going to see as far as ROI and here's how we can track whether our training is working or not and how we can make adjustments to, you know, uh, create a successful solution. Okay. Those last two things that you just talked about, um, making the time to absorb content and the ROI of, you know, is our training working or not? I want to come back to those topics because I think they're really important things to be thinking about both the investment of time on the front end and then also the analysis of the overall effectiveness and, and ROI, exactly as you said. So let's come back to those topics. Absolutely. Before we do that, let's give the audience a chance to, to understand who they're hearing from today. So tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how you ended up in the role that you're in today. Yeah, so I've always been in retail. Uh, so over 20 years in retail, I started in telecom. So good old, uh, it was singular at the time that became AT&T afterwards. So I was uh, one of those fellas in the store selling cell phones, wearing the bright colors, the orange, the jack symbol. I still remember all that. I even think I still have some swag from those days. Uh <laughs> And really my journey, like most learning and development professionals, I stumbled into it. It was by accident. Um, I progressed in my career where I was basically a field representative and I worked with owner operators for a certain territory. And the challenge at the time was getting those owner operators to come in for meetings and then buy into how we can offer features, how they can better help their customers and really just understand our products and services. And, you know, when you're talking to owner operators, especially at that time, it's a little bit tough, you know, they know more than us, right? They've been in business yeah. a long time, uh, but we did have uh, some, some great knowledge uh, that they can take advantage of. It was just really creating the right environment. And at the time my supervisor said, Hey, we're not really getting a lot of attendance. Would you mind taking a crack at how, you know, taken on these meetings and, you know, I took out my very, very uh, poor PowerPoint skills and did the first thing that everybody in learning and development does, which is, all right, let me jazz it up with a lot of transitions and make things pop. Animations. And, oh, it was so bad. Uh, and I started, my, my, my favorite thing was I always started with an inspirational video at that time. So I, you know, went on to YouTube and said, okay, I'm going to kick it with a uh, inspirational video, and then we'll go into the presentation, and that's how we'll get it going. So first meeting, it went okay. We got some engagement. They were kind of taken to it. Then I thought to myself, I need something that's going to get them involved as we're going through and kind of get the conversation going. So I brought up a little mini football afterwards, and I started throwing it to the audience to get them to answer questions and engage. And from there, it kind of took off. So after a period of time of hosting those trainings, uh, I literally had a tap on the shoulder. He said, hey, you might be interested in uh, training. We have a whole department for that. I'll put you up for it and get you an interview and see if you can uh, be accepted into the programs. This was AT&T at the time. Wow. And I was lucky enough to be accepted. And uh, 
AT&T was great. They had a phenomenal uh, program when it came to new trainers. I actually traveled out to Texas. It was called at the time CFL. Now it's uh, AT&T University. And literally you're there learning, you know, uh, instructor competencies. Uh, how do you look on camera when it comes to your facilitation skills? I mean, really everything, even we joke, you know, what do I do with my hands, right? Yeah. Um, so they gave me the skill set and it was about eight months of training before I ever actually facilitated my first class. So they wow. had a phenomenal program. And that was my introduction into the world of learning and development. And from there, uh, worked with them for a while, training, going around the country, hosting leadership classes, um, continuing education classes. I uh, started with onboarding. So that's where I kind of got my, my roots and my foundation. And that's what gave me a passion for frontline. You know, not only was I from the front line, but starting off by actually facilitating, you know, new hire, which was at that time, which insane to hear four weeks long. Wow. A whole month for onboarding, uh, instructor led whole way through. Wow. Uh, and from there, went on to T-Mobile uh, and worked with a distributor there to go through their onboarding, their operations classes. Uh, from there, I went to the OEM side. So I kind of flipped in the industry. I was always carrier side. When I went over uh, to partner with uh, LG Electronics and their mobile department, it was interesting to kind of see the other side of it and to see the cadence of how quickly, I mean, telecom is quick. However, yeah. on their side, as they release new products, which we went through four or five in a year, it's a three month turnaround for each new product. So we're overlapping when it comes to a hero device, which is their flagship devices, as well as what they called mass tier, which is their mid-level devices. And we'd have to learn the device, turn it around, figure out how do we train our field folks to talk about it? Uh, what are our key feature sets as we're learning it ourselves and make this engaging content so that we can turn around and get everybody on board with how they can speak to it. And um, from there, I landed over at PGA Tour Superstore. So st still stood in retail. For me, I was always an avid golfer, loved the sport. Um, I had relocated from New York coming down to Georgia, and that's where PGA Tour Superstore is headquartered. And uh, it just happened to be timing worked out where OJ Electronics was moving in a different direction, and they shut down the mobile department. Opportunity came with the PGA Tour Superstore, and I was able to kind of slide into I mean, I, I, it's hard not to say it's kind of my dream job. So I get to do yeah. what I love in an industry that I love. That's fantastic. Good yeah. for you, man. That's an exciting story and a great journey. Um, I'm curious to, to explore something you and I touched on a little bit as we were prepping for today. And that is some of the differences that you've seen between working in, in telco and some of the pace that you talked about there as, as how, and how that compares and contrasts with what you're seeing in, uh, I'll say more general retail or specialty retail in, in your case. Um, what are those differences in, in from a, an L and D standpoint and just from a, a learning adoption standpoint? I'll say L and D standpoint, a lot of the challenges are very similar, right? Uh, like in any industry, change is always a challenge right? Uh, adopting new tools, new platforms, new ways of doing business, new soft skills is always going to be a challenge. Uh, where I saw or where I see a difference between telco and general retail is how often change occurs. So change is rapid no matter which industry you're in, and we're going mm -hmm. through huge growth right now. So change is massive at the PGA Tour Superstore currently. And in telco, what I noticed prior 
they were used to change. So not that it became easier to implement a solution. However, they were more aware of the challenges. And when it came to frontline associates, they were a little more prepped to deal with that cadence, right? We would go through uh, in the T-Mobile days, the uncarrier. Uncarriers are coming out left and right all of a sudden. I remember when I came into the company, they were releasing these uncarrier movements, which were big changes to how the company operated and how they sold product frontline. And I think at the time, it might've been every few months, every six months, once a year. I, I must've went to three in my, in my first year wow. with T-Mobile. And these were big, massive changes. Uh, when it comes to the cadence of new devices coming out, when it comes to the, the plans and features and services that are offered, changing constantly. You know, It's easy to look at a promo and go, oh, it's pretty straightforward from a consumer standpoint. When it comes to the associate experience, it can be complex on how they implement whatever deal that you're seeing out there. So in telco, it was a normal thing. You know, change was daily, uh, if not hourly on certain occasions. Uh, in general retail, the cadence is a little bit different, right? Uh, when it comes to, let's say, product releases, services changes, they're not as frequent. So when you have moments where you're going through change or let's say uh, a larger change due to growth of a company, it can seem, uh, or rather the challenges that you may come across is, all right, we have to be very creative on how we tackle those challenges because we're dealing with an audience that's not quite as used to changing as quickly as maybe in a different industry. Yeah. It's really interesting. As you were describing that, I'm thinking about some of the utility companies that I've worked with and also that we've had on the podcast and the pace of change to a utility company, at least those that I've spoken with here in, in America is really slow. So fast <laughs> change to them. Like when they think about change, they're talking about in five and 10 and 20 year swaths, right? They're yeah. looking at major changes to the infrastructure that literally requires digging up the earth and laying new pipe or new cables and stuff like that. But when we talk about change in, in retail in your example today, and then especially so in telco, like we're talking about change in weeks, not years or decades, you know? Absolutely. And so in telco, I can see that, you know, we've had some other guests on from, from telecommunications companies, and we hear often about the, the pace of change. But I do think that even in, again, specialty retail, like you're in today, where it may not be the same type of technology that's driving some of those movements, right? With phone providers launching new phones every six weeks or whatever the heck it is. I mean, in order for you to stay competitive in your business, you're not the only one selling golf clubs to golfers, right? So you guys have got to keep up with those trends and, and really keep that pace up as well. No, you're right. And I think that comes down to, for us, our differential factor is our people. So customer experience, it's what's going to set us apart. You know, similar to any other uh, uh, retailer, including telecom, you know, you can find similar products in a lot of different, you know, distribution points. Uh, however, when it comes to services, when it comes to that consumer experience, that's going to come down to your associate. So your associate yeah. experience is really key and where I come in is, all right, thinking about a learner-centric focus and going, all right, we need to make sure they're at the core when it comes to whatever we're rolling out or whatever change is happening, we have to account for our associates because they're the ones that ultimately are interacting with the customer. So really they're the endpoint. So anything when it comes to a platform, uh, once again, upgrades to services, whatever we're doing in store, 
we have to make sure that we're accounting for them when it comes to those solutions. I think that's uh, uh, extremely key. And that's where the, the challenge comes in. You know, depending on the industries, how often you have to think about these solutions. However, right. the core challenge is always the same. Yeah. So I think that's a good segue into going back to one of the questions that we talked about earlier, which is the money and time it takes to give to the frontline associates so that they are able to absorb the content. So you guys, you know, at corporate can create just tons and tons of, of rich content that is really designed to help and enable them to develop the skills that they need to develop. But unless we allocate the appropriate amount of time to absorb and, and reinforce that content, right? It's just, it's not going to be, um, you know, a, a worthwhile investment. So how do you handle that, especially in today's environment where most retailers are struggling to fill all the roles that they have? And so people, the, the human resources are stretched thin out on the front lines. How are you handling that today? Uh the easy answer is collaboration across other departments. Uh, that's probably the best answer I can say. But really, it's trying to be as creative as possible. You know, if we were given every single tool set and unlimited resources, it's an easy thing to tackle. But there, that doesn't exist in any industry, right? right? So we have to look at what resources we have available for whatever initiative that we're implementing. And then how do we maximize that in the most creative way to get to that end solution? You know, here specifically, we have a great team. So we're able to partner closely with other department heads to go, all right, what is it you're looking to do? And how can we help bridge the gap to get to that point where if we're, for example, rolling out a new platform for frontline, let's say a POS system, right? That, that's a big deal. You know, you think about something that every transaction that's going to happen now is now going through a new system. So you're impacting every single customer and every associate that is processing a transaction. It may sound easy. It may sound intuitive. And hey, we have a lot of great technology. And a lot of people now, uh, as far as our learners, are a little more used to technology, right? Remember the days of flip phones going now mm -hmm. to smartphones. But it doesn't mean that those solutions are completely intuitive. So we have to look at a full package to go, all right, even though this might be a better solution, an easier solution, we're still changing from whatever they were used to prior. So now where are the gaps as far as how do we uh, look to get them over to a new system and change their behaviors as far as, hey, I was used to doing this one way. Now I have to do it slightly different, right? And sometimes it's even looking back and going, are our processes efficient? So it's not just the platform itself. When we go through, let's say a return, for example, what are we doing it the best way? And if the new system gives us a different capability, maybe that's something we have to explore because that might be uh, easier for us to get that adoption when it comes to our frontline associates. Well, there's a whole bunch of things that you just said in there. <laughs> the, the, the first is something I really want to highlight because it is a bit of a, a sore spot for me or, or a trigger word, <laughs> which is this, this concept of, uh, I have it up on my, my whiteboard here in the office, the myth of simplicity. And you, you talked about this idea of um, modern workers being a little bit more prepared for technology. I agree with that completely. I think the, the idea that we still have you know, lots and lots of men and women on the front lines that are still using flip phones is, is a bit comical because flip phones are really hard to come by these days, right? So most people are, are getting more acclimated with smartphones. That doesn't mean that they're ready to tackle the enterprise technology that you have in your environment, right? doesn't mean they're incapable, but it doesn't mean that we should, we should not just assume that because we just bought some new product that's relatively intuitive from the vendor, 
that somebody who can use their Android smartphone is going to walk in and just magically understand how to use this technology, right? Yeah. And when you and I talked before, you've mentioned this, this return issue. I think it's a good example, right? Part of this deployment of technology inside your organization was, was needing to be able to support some unique return circumstances that is part of your business policy, part of your customer experience. But it's a relatively complicated transaction to, to support in your POS. Can you tell us just, can you dive just a little bit deeper on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in our business with what we deal with uh, clubs, for example, you know, we have policies in place where if you get fitted for a club, we have a playability policy, you're allowed to exchange that club if it's not the best fit for you within 90 days. It's not necessarily a typical return, right? In normal uh, uh, retail outside of our business, and I'm sure other retailers have some unique scenarios. However, you know, if you buy a product, you bring it back, you return it, you get credit. And that's kind of about it, right? That's the end yep. of the transaction. For us, a few different things are happening. So you're purchasing a product. Uh, if it's not up to you know, what you're expecting, you're allowed to bring it back in exchange for a different product that will work better for you. But now in that transaction, we have a return, we have an exchange. We also have a backend part of it that happens after the customer leaves, which is how do we now process that return so that it becomes, let's say, pre-owned or something like that. So these are complex things that are happening through a platform that we have to have seamlessly, not only for the, the customer that comes in, but also for the associate, the process, because yeah. there's multiple stages to that transaction, not just customer facing, like I said, also post-transaction. So even though let's say that policies have been in place for you know a, a long time here at the PGA Tour Superstore, in the new system, it's kind of done a little differently. So now we're talking behaviors that have to be looked at as far as how do we adapt with the new platform, getting a learner to understand what you're essentially doing is kind of the same, but you're doing it in a different way. And the way that's going to impact your flow might be slightly, you know, uh, uh, uncomfortable at first, but something that will work over time. And that's where we look at, you know, creative learning solutions to go, all right, how can I either train them initially on the solution to cover that topic? How do I isolate that pain point to provide follow-up material? Because we know they're going to have to come back to that. And how do I follow up with learners post whatever solution we have to make sure that this is actually sticking. So that's when we start looking at what are we doing continuing education? How do we check back with them? You know, looking at surveys to find out did our solutions even work to begin with uh, when it came to whatever trainings we provided to the front line. Yeah. Do you ever get any pushback? And I'm not looking for you to call out your colleagues in the stores, but I, I can just imagine that the store managers are under such pressure. They're, they're trying to staff their store. And, and this isn't just something that you deal with in retail. I'm asking this question on behalf of all of the listeners and yeah. all of the people that we've talked to on the show, regardless of industry, right? We have men and women on the front lines, their staffing levels are set to support their customers and the number of work orders or you know whatever the circumstances are. And now you guys are coming in from headquarters with this learning plan in, in whatever the case may be to support a new technology or a new business process or whatever the case may be. Do you get pushback on the amount of time it's going to take for the store manager to allocate, because if I've got somebody coming in for an eight hour shift and I need to carve out four hours, that means I've got to backfill that time now to make sure we've got somebody covering the floor. How do you deal with that added overhead of time, you know, to support the, the learning initiatives that you're trying to bring down from corporate? 
No, you know, that's an interesting question because once again, these are challenges, as you said, that plague doesn't matter, you know, retail, any yeah. industry, any learning uh, um, department or organization is going to come across that balance, right? Uh, how do we get the time we need to implement whatever learning solution we're talking about? Now, what I can say is when it comes to frontline, we get very little pushback with learning solutions because one of the great things is most people, and there's been some reports out recently too that say, I think it's over 70, 80%, people want to learn. They yeah. want the training content. Uh, now it's debatable on how they want to receive it. And that could be mixed depending on which generation you're talking about, age groups, right. the audience, so on and so forth. Uh, but the way that I look to tackle those solutions is taking the pressure off of retail by partnering closely with our department heads from our home office. We call it the uh, store support center, right? We try to stay away from the okay. HQ part of it, right? Because we're yep. here to support the front line. Um, yeah. But really, our operations department, I work ahead to go, okay, when we're looking at this learning plan, whatever the solution is, I'm going to present it to you first. These are the options we can go with in the time frame that we have to implement, right? To follow uh, your initiative. So here's option A, option, option B, option C, right? And usually this is where the consulting part comes in. I would lean towards option A, right? Or, or you know, we joke from, from back in the day, you know, here's the gold package, right? You will, right? It's not always uh, um, applicable to the scenario. And in some, in some cases, it can be a far stretch because there's a lot of variables you have to take into place because the easy uh, thing to go to would be, hey, I want to give everybody instructor-led. But guess what? We got 53 stores across the country and growing. That might be a little challenging. I'm one person. Can't right. go to all 53 stores. However, that partnership early on is where we get the buy-in as far as time so that we're avoiding putting the pressure onto that frontline store manager going, hey, here's a solution, go figure it out. You know, I think that would be setting people up for failure as opposed to success. So when we partner with our operations team here, that's the team that oversees our retail organization, the retail part of the organization. You know, I'm going and going, hey, here are our options. Here is my take on what it's going to take as far as time to absorb these concepts, right? And this is how we can, you know, go through a phase approach, for example. And this is what I'm asking for, right? So I'm asking for uh, eight hours. I'm asking for four hours, whatever, you know, the solution calls for so that they're building it into our offerings as far as hours for stores so that it doesn't become a burden on the store manager. It becomes something where, hey, we have to do this because we need to make sure we're setting our people up for success, right? Um, and now we have the resources we need because it's been given to us to take whatever that solution is. Yeah. So for, for me, that's been a, a, a huge thing. I've learned a lot of lessons with that uh, from past companies where as opposed to putting that pressure on the front line, and I've been in those scenarios, those are not fun where it's, hey, this has to get done. You need to figure it out. That's not the, the, the path forward, in my opinion. So I think from lessons learned in the past, working here, um, I've implemented that where we can nip that in the bud and really attack that earlier, right? So that it doesn't become a problem when we're, you know, executing the solution, we'll see a greater take rate and we get almost no pushback, but at the same time, we get better adoption and more acceptance of the training solutions that we're putting ahead. Yeah. 
you know, it's kind of change management 101, but you're doing a great job of that, of really bringing all the stakeholders together to, to have a voice in that. I also don't want to skip over something that you said. I, I loved when you corrected my use of the term headquarters to store, <laughs> store support. And I'm serious. I think that's fantastic. I know it's, it's a little thing. It's a little bit off topic here, but I think it's words matter. And I think that's such a great example of really, um, having your culture in the words that you use put forth what matters most. And you've talked a lot about customer experience today. I'm not a golfer, so I can't really speak to this firsthand. <laughs> Although I have been in the stores, there's one right around the corner from my office. Oh, I love um, but, uh, the, but, but just that focus on the customer and then the focus on the store that supports that customer, that it's not headquarters pushing down, it's, it's headquarters being there, uh, store support to, to be there to support the stores. I thought that was a, a really neat mention that I just didn't want to brush. No, I appreciate that. It's funny, our, uh, our CEO, Dick Sullivan, um, when I first started, I, it's funny, my first day we had a huge kind of, it's the quarterly meeting. So it was like, I picked kind of the craziest day to start because all this was yeah. happening. I'm going into different rooms. And one of the first things he said when he got in front of you was addressing uh, the, we call it the SSC store support center. He goes, I just want everybody to remember, you know, as far as how we look at the company, it's an inverted pyramid, right? I love he it. goes, our associates are the most important. We're here to support them. We want to make their experience better. So in turn, we make the customer experience better. And they believe it to their core. And it's one of the reasons why not only do I love working here, but it's why I came here uh, to grow as a learning professional because I was sold in the beginning that they were absolutely committed to doing the right thing no matter what. And that can be a challenge in certain organizations, not because organizations don't believe in the agenda, but there's a lot of conflicting messages coming across and it's what takes priority. And here yeah. it's an absolute priority to put people first. It's great to hear it. And I'm, I'm glad we were able to spend an extra minute on that. <laughs> on that. I, I want to come back to something else that um, there are two other things um, that I really want to make sure we cover before we um, wrap up. The, the first is ROI. Is our training working or not? We touched on that in the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> and, and I'd like to go back to how you are able to evaluate that. So tell us a, a little bit about that process, both on the front end, like how you prepare to measure that and then how you're measuring it after the fact. Yeah. So on the front end, uh, introducing your basic level one surveys has been massive and having the tools to do so really gives you that first peek into, all right, is this solution taking, what are they saying about it? You know, how are they taking that survey after uh, training and are they willing to recommend? Uh, when we start thinking about our level twos and kind of checking back and going into, all right, do you have the skill sets or rather did the training give you the skill sets to actually tackle the problem? And one of the things I like to implement is actually just getting boots on the ground. You know, it's easy or I want to say easy, but it's easier if you're looking at data, if you're reading survey results, if you're looking and, you know, one of the things that gets tracked a lot is just completion. So if I just look at completions and I look to see that everybody thinks it's great, five out of five, awesome. And I think it's successful based off of that. I think I'm doing a huge disjustice to what our mission is, because in my opinion, that's a little bit surface. It's a great way to start. And it kind of gives you 
an insight into initial success. But unless you go into locations and you talk store manager, you're talking to the area managers, you're talking to the actual learner who's taking that content and going, hey, did this actually work? And if it didn't, tell me where the gaps are, where the areas of opportunity that we can help you learn this better, faster, more efficiently, but make sure that we actually get to a solution that you need when it comes to implementing whatever it is that we're focused on on that time. So from my past company, I was fortunate enough to spend a lot of time in the field and it gave me an interesting perspective because once again, you know, starting my career, I, I was, I was the frontline person. So I always put myself in that position when I think about whatever solution we're implementing. Um, you know, I like to think to myself, you know, would this make sense to me? If I was in the room and I'm just learning this for the first time, do I get it? Is this, you know, black and white or, 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 you know, do we have to define more? Do we have to break it down more? So that's where I like to start when it comes to these solutions. But I, impl I take that into account when I go into the field and I say, hey, you know, don't just tell me what's going on, show it to me as well, right? So I like to put people into scenarios, you know, hey, we got this new, we, we had a tool that we implemented uh, a while back. And one of the first things I wanted to see when I went into the field is, are they even using it? So, you know, they had a current tool, which was perfect. It was fine. We gave them a better one. And as we were going through the transition, they had an option. Do I use the old one that still works or do I go for the new one? And I saw a mixture, right? And I can tell you, it didn't matter uh, as far as audience when it came to demographic age or anything like that and had everything to do with just comfort level. And we rolled out um, a virtual series that taught everybody, hey, this is the setup, this is how you use it. But one of the things I found out when I started going into the field was, why are you using one versus the other, right? And in some cases, either they weren't able to take the training yet because they weren't aware of it, or they just didn't have a moment to take it. Not that they didn't have the time to, it just didn't come up as mm -hmm. a priority. So then I took that back and went, okay, now I know where we have a little bit of a roadblock and it has nothing to do with the content itself because people that were using the new device thought the content was fine. It was more about, I didn't do a good enough job to make sure that I got the message out there right. when it came to the actual training solution. Because once people actually took the training, understood the, the device, everybody was running to the new one. It was much easier, much better, much faster. So, you know, it was one of those lessons that I would not have learned if I was just reading the surface level as far as some of that uh, survey information or completion information, because everybody that did take it, hey, thumbs up, you did a great job. But how about the guy who didn't? you know, and is he using the old tool or the new one and why not? Yeah. So do you report back on adoption? Like, do, are you guys tracking adoption when those new technologies are rolled out? Is that the responsibility of your team to track the success of that? Or is there somebody in IT or in operations that made the investment in that technology that is tracking its adoption and measuring that as part of their success criteria for the project? Well, I think that there's a combination there, right? Because when we talk about adoption, it's which part of the adoption are we speaking to? So where um, our learning and development department steps in would be, we're looking at the training adoption um, and we're looking at how successful that aspect of it is. As far as, let's say, adoption of the technology itself, yeah, that falls on to IT as far as, hey, you know, are they utilizing the new devices versus the old? And let's say, if not, and 
training is not a challenge in that case, or the execution of training rather, then it becomes, is there a challenge with the technology itself? And that's a possibility, right? So that's right. You know, on their side where they start to evaluate. Now, where I step back in is I partner very closely with those departments. And I think that cross-department collaboration becomes key because one of the reasons why some of our initiatives have been very successful has been that close relationship. So it's not just turning content out that talks to whatever that solution is. I actually fully understand you. So I go, I learn it. I understand how, you know, for example, in, in this particular example, it was how do we charge it? How do we take it out the box? How do we right. set it up? I had to learn the whole piece. You know, I actually had all the, the components in front of me and how to go through it all myself to understand it. So that partnership with IT got me buying so that I'm fully invested into their initiative. Because at the end of the day, learning is a support function, right? We don't right. lead initiatives. We help carry them through. Right. Yes, I, we have a lot of change management folks that have been on the show and are probably listening today. And, and some of the challenges you talked about before were the content itself, when it was consumed, you had good um, you know, um, feedback from the training content. However, there needs to be a communication plan, which you, you know, talked about of making sure that everybody understands what's in it for them, why they're even taking this training, why you're even making the change in the first place, where to go get the information that they need, right? All those things are, are building blocks. So it's just uh, your example of looking out for that, the potential pitfalls of building quality content and really thinking that stuff through and then missing the important step or not thoroughly, you know, getting out the communication about why and, and uh, you know, all, all the other things I just talked about. That's really such a critical part. And it, and it all brings it together into a complete package to make sure that the, the frontline workers have what they need to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the cool things, uh, the project managers we have at our SSC have been phenomenal. And I've actually learned a lot when it comes to the communication packages that they put together as we've been rolling out more complex solutions, you know, for our growing business. Um, and it's been eye-opening because there have you know, been times where I might have had a gap that or a blind spot, as we say, right, where I completely yeah. missed something. You know what? I didn't actually take that into account. However, now that I understand that, yes, we can address that on our side in collaboration with the communication that you're pushing out. Yep. All right. Last topic. You mentioned to me something that I really would like you to share with the audience, which is a video that you produce. And this struck a chord with me because I think the men and women on the front lines are so critical to the success of every business. And my observations have been that there are some gaps remaining in terms of how we communicate with the men and women on the front lines. And you have what I think is really uh, a fantastic best practice that you guys and, and your team have developed. And I'd like you to share with us how you're producing it, what you're producing, and, and give us a little bit of background <laughs> on that. Absolutely. And so, you need uh, to share the name of, of what I, your video I, well, is too. We have to start with the name because... Everything in our industry, we try to tie back to golf. And it was uh, it was funny because I was putting some curriculum together in the LMS and it was two parts. And I even called it the front nine and the back nine just <laughs> to be cheeky about it. You know what I'm saying? It just makes it fun. Um, so, yeah, so we produce a weekly video called the T-Box. Uh, it's actually filmed, edited the whole thing in one day. Right. So it's done every Monday or in this case, this week, Tuesday, uh, which was a nice challenge uh, coming from the long weekend. However, uh, we have a, a great person, Jordan Egan, on the team that, 
you know, from before I started, really came up with the idea of, hey, I think we need a, a vehicle to communicate to the front line, right? So he obviously looked at that and said that is extremely important and we, you know, we have to tackle that. So with this particular video, we're covering the previous week's results, uh, all of the high spots, including specific locations that have done well week over week or year to date, um, who had a great successful weekend, for example, what are some highlights as far as whatever the focuses were the week before, and then we'll transition into, okay, here is this week's focus. Uh, we want to look at these promos. We want everybody to be aware of, we have some uh, markdowns that have to happen, new product has to hit the floor. So whatever the agenda is for the current week, and then we also try to mix in some great engagement pieces where we're including segments. Uh, for example, in this week's, we had an internship program or are currently running an internship program. And we recorded some video that featured the interns, right? Hey, what colleges are you going to? What are you interested in? You know, what's your experience been in the current department that you're partnered with? Bam, that goes into the video and that's a segment. So we're really giving a snapshot of not just company results and what our focuses are, but what's happening overall within the company directly down to the front line. So it's something that's produced every week. So it's, it's a little bit of uh, an aggressive cadence if you look at it, because it's a huge undertaking to constantly come up with content and keep it fresh. But it is a great, um, I think, experience for our frontline workers because it gives them the ability to kind of pull the curtain back and see everything that's happening. So that transparency is there, um, as well as just an engagement piece of, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's coming up. And this is how you're doing overall, you know, as a company. I want to get into the nitty gritty on some of these things. You mentioned um, the videos of interns. Is that stuff that you're doing on that Monday or did you have video already captured from the intern interviews that you're using to put into that um, final cut video that you put out? In this case, it was pre-recorded. In other cases, some of it's done on the same day. Uh, crazy enough. Um, and it's a... Thankfully, it's kind of a little bit pre-packaged in a sense where all of the effects and stuff are mostly pre-done. So it does cut down on the turnaround time. However, yes, the shooting, the editing, and the post is done uh, day of. So yeah. it's a challenge to get it out uh, by, by end of business, you know, for, for the same day. Yeah. Um, Jordan's been a pro at it, so he's been doing it for so long that he, he makes the magic happen every week. Um, but yeah, there's different challenges depending on the segments that are being shot. Cause I haven't, I have seen him in some instances who shoot in the morning for your typical uh, T box where we're also reviewing customer letters that that's one of the highlights of it. So at the end of each segment, uh, the host that we have, and we rotate host uh, through other uh, team members through the SSC, um, they actually read some highlight letters that come in through Yelp or Google or whatever it is and kind of give shout outs to those associates. Hey, you did a great job. Here's what the customer had to say, you know? Um, awesome. So it's a way of spotlighting, but I, I've seen them shoot some other segments and edit it right into it. Same thing. And it gets, a, it gets a little bonkers. There. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little hairy. Well, that that's why I'm asking. Cause you know, we've done a fair amount of video. We do, we do this podcast, which we do publish in, in video form as well. And, mm -hmm. and so I'm a little bit aware, not totally aware of all the production um, requirements that go into that, but I know it's, I imagine some people listening to this are saying, man, I'd really love to do that. 
but it feels very overwhelming because there's there's a lot to get to to make this happen. And one thing that you guys have done, which I really appreciate because it's the same approach we take with the podcast, is we've just committed to a regular cadence. And when we started this podcast, I, I knew the first dozen or two were going to be clunky because we didn't know what we were doing. And we were working with a new partner to help us produce this and everything else. Um, But once we got it under, you know, uh, into a a regular cadence, it does get easier each time. And so listening to you tell the story about how rapidly, you know, you're pulling that stuff together is, is really exciting. And I think guests will, or listeners will appreciate that. You said something else that I think is important. You talked about sharing the weekend store performance. Is that like real time on Monday? Are you sharing the previous weekend store performance, maybe a highlight store or a store that had a blowout weekend or something like that? Are you bringing that data in? Like it's hot off the press from Sunday night. You close the books that night and you yeah. look at it Monday and, and talk about it. It's completely hot off the press. So uh, that's awesome. To, to give you an idea, um, we typically shoot about 10 a.m., right? And it was about 9.58, I'm printing it off the, the copier. And I'm going, all right, here you guys go. And they're getting their kind of scripts that have their highlights with uh, our business review. And it's right in front of them. And they're going live, right, when we go through the recording. So it's That's completely fantastic. hot off the press. And it's really looking at, you know, like I said, highlight stores, how the company's doing year to date, and really what of all, all those bright spots that are going on from that previous week. Yeah. That's a fantastic example. And last piece of this is how are you getting that content out? So now you've got a packaged up video, it's in an MP4 format or some other uh, you know, standard format. How are you distributing that out to the men and women in the field on the front lines? Yeah, so currently we're doing it through two methods. So there's an email blast that happens um, towards the end of the day that has the link and the link goes over to our current LMS system where they can go view the video, uh, see what's going on. So we can track viewership that way. Uh, we also keep kind of a backlog of videos, usually about a month, month and a half of previous T-Box videos. So they can go back to previous weeks and see what, you know, highlights happen there. There are certain weeks where we feature our CEO and some of the other, uh, C-suite on there to, you know, have certain important messages. So we'll kind of keep those videos, uh, you know, in in our system for a little bit so people can refer back. Uh, But that's our main method. We're going to soon progress to a internet that will put it out in a different way. Because one of the things that, you know, we're looking at is making sure that we have kind of, you know, very strong lines of, hey, we have learning, we have communication. This is a great vehicle, T-Box. But at the end of the day, it's not necessarily considered learning. So we do have a great tool to kind of push that out, but we're going to have an even better tool coming soon that will serve its purpose a lot better. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I think uh, I was surprised to hear you say that you guys were owning this responsibility out of L&D. But um, yeah, so technically this kind of probably falls under corporate communications, you you know, in, in terms of where it would fit easily inside a box. But the reality is there is a learning element to everything that you're doing because learning is is also about communications and the expectation setting that you're doing with the men and women in the field. And certainly if you have new initiatives that are coming down the pipe, this is an opportunity for you to start to prep the field for things that are coming where they're going to start to see some learning programs that they're going to be participating with in the weeks and months ahead. And so it's it's not totally discreet. It's an opportunity for those things to be very blended. So it was really interesting to hear you tell that story. And um, it's neat that you guys are owning that today. It's funny how much the success of learning initiatives come back to that communication piece, right? And how it overlaps because, you know, I've seen it so many times where, you know, 
really, really strong solutions. You put all this time into creating great content and you're looking back and going, man, why is it not taken or why is it not successful or where's the gap coming from? And you kind of circle around, you go, hmm, maybe uh, the communication wasn't the best. So when you're looking at the execution of it and you see the gap, you start looking back and going, hey, there has to be a better connection with communications to figure this out. And that's where those uh, communication plans come in. And it, it's just so interesting to see sometimes where those gaps arise because, you know, as a learning professional, the first thing you think about is where in my content can I get better and not realizing that sometimes it's not necessarily about the content. What are the other components that are going into it to make sure you get that message out? There's nothing I can say that can wrap the show up better than the way you just did it. So thank you very, very much. Um, that was a, a fantastic walk through some of your best practices inside the organization. I've really appreciated getting to know you for a little bit and uh, for you sharing your stories with uh, me and our audience. So thank you very much for that. Thank you, Justin. Glad to be here. Good. Well, I do need to wrap the show up there. Uh, to our audience, I hope you've found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. And uh, as you know, I'm always harping on this. We could really uh, benefit from you rating the podcast. Five-star ratings do help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. Uh, another option that you can do is to subscribe and like our YouTube channel. We are publishing all of these episodes on YouTube as well. So for those of you that are listening in audio only, they are available with the full video on YouTube. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skyllful.com. And we're always looking for new guests. So if you, Jonathan, or you, the audience, know other folks uh, that are out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share your story. And we'll see you on our next episode. Jonathan, thanks for your time today. 